Kia ora and welcome. I'm Boris Lamont and this is the New Zealand Wine Podcast. Thanks for joining us for this episode where we're speaking with Matt Connell. Uh, originally from Taranaki, Matt is now living in the central Otago of New Zealand and making some great wine both under his label, Matt Connell Wines, and for a number of other wineries in the region. We talk with Matt about his journey and his winemaking philosophy, so right now let's go have a chat with Matt. Hello, Matt. Hello. How are you going? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Nice to be uh, nice to be talking with you. I understand it's quite a chilly day down in Central Otago today. Yeah, lovely uh, fresh winter's day, but um, I'm sure the sun will come out eventually. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> not not sunny yet, but a bit of cloud around, a bit foggy or. Uh, it has been pretty foggy the last few days, but it's yeah, really low cloud right. since that time of year. Yeah, 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 yeah very Pro- good. But pleased I'm not pruning. Right, right. But once it um, once it clears up, you can get those beautiful clear winter days. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, we do. Mm. Yeah, no, definitely. Mm. And um, and no, no threat to you this time of year being um, end of May coming into June, um, for having cold weather. That's um, that's all okay. Yeah, no. Mm. Yeah. No, I mean, the main thing for us is if you have um, stuff going on in the winery, still trying to keep them warm. I've got late harvest Riesling still fermenting, too. Trying to keep that warm uh, is a challenge at times, but um, yeah. but we're getting there, so hopefully we can wind that wine up over the weekend, and, uh, and then vintage will be officially over for me for the year, which right. would be nice. <laughs> yeah, you'll be sitting around then. <laughs> uh, yeah, that'd be the dream, wouldn't it? But no, yeah. So, so Matt, you're, you're obviously, as we've said, you're, you're sitting down there in Central Otago of New Zealand. But uh, how did how did you get to be there? What's been what's been your journey? Yeah, um, well, quite a long, a long and a bit of a different one, I guess. Really, I started. Um, well, I grew up in Christchurch, and then went to Lincoln uh, University or College that was then to do a um, Parks Recreation Management degree initially. So I had a big. I've always had a major interest in the outdoors. So initially, I sort of thought, oh yeah, I'll get involved with Doc or something. Um, so I went and did parks and recreation management, and then um, then like every other Kiwi, really did the big OE. But mine was sort of a bit extended. So it started off uh, in Antarctica. I worked for the American Navy for six months down there. Oh wow, well, that's um, that's that's a bit of a, a bit of a different place for um, for you to start your OE. Most Kiwis wouldn't start that far. Far south, <laughs> most no. most head north. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did start started south and then went north. So um, started there, did six months there, and then after that, um, so I was based at McMurdo. Mm-hmm. And after that, I went to uh, the UK, like everyone else, pretty much. Yeah. Um, and then, sort of, I mean, easy job to fall into was bar work. So I uh, started off there, and uh, I've got a twin brother, so he was already over there. So I ended up actually working in the same pub as him initially. And then, um, yeah, ended up staying there for four years on and off, um, doing different you know, different hospitality roles. But um, that sort of started my interest in wine and food matching and things like that, I guess. When I look back at it, it's probably where I started getting interest from. Yeah, and were you, um, were you sort of early 20s then? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Early twenties, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that for four years, and then I, mm-hmm. I did a lot of travelling after that. So um, the states, Asia, um, yeah, all over the place, and then came back to New Zealand. And um, when did I go then? Oh, I've started working at Galbraiths, 
ale house in Auckland. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that, that was sort of in its infancy, really. So um, started working for Keith Galbraith and uh, actually in the brewery for starters, but then he offered me a um, bar management job. Uh, at the time, it was paying a little bit more money. So foolishly, I decided to do that. So on retrospect, maybe I should have stuck with the brewing side of things, but um, did a couple of years with Keith and uh, really enjoyed that. Um, and same thing, just he's really passionate about, um, you know, obviously great beer. And uh, he always had a really good wine list in his pub as well. So sort of saw the best of both worlds. Um, and just, you know, he had a real, he's got a really good um, attention to detail when it comes to brewing and, and business. So it was a good, good place to sort of learn um, you know that if it's not good enough, you don't you don't put it out in a bottle of any form, right? Really. Um, so yeah, went there. Uh, after that, I uh, ran a bar at the Waikiki Island Resort for a while, okay. um, and then that's sort of what got me into wine. Uh, I was buying a lot of Waikiki Island wines. Um, uh, how long, how long ago are we talking now? Oh, early two thousands. Early two thousands. Yeah. Okay, okay. So yeah. sort of good, yeah. good fifteen years ago. Yep. Yeah, so I um, yeah I was buying a lot of wine, and then you know didn't want to work till all hours of the day or night anymore. I, I was um, engaged at that stage, so I wanted to actually have a life. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I ended up asking um, David Evans from Passage Rock Wines. I was buying a little bit of his wine at the time, just how you you know how you get into winemaking. And um, when I was at Lincoln the first time around, the winemaking uh, course was sort of in its infancy then, I think, at Lincoln. Um, so I still always knew there was a winemaking school in the country. Um, but he, David said, you know, why don't you come and work for me for a year and sort of see if you like it um, and then go from there and possibly, you know, apply to go to Lincoln or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I went. So I worked for David for a year and really enjoyed it. So um yeah, had a great time. Um, learnt lots, and once again, just sort of attention to detail, and you know all the hard work that goes into wine throughout the year. And just um, um, and just for listeners, where, whereabouts on the island is is Passage Rock? Where are we where are we talking? Oh, he he's at the far end of the island, so okay. east. Yeah, man, man of war end. So what's mm-hmm. Coromandel end? I think it is. Yes, trying to think about it now. No, that's right. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's he's one of the furthest away, um, but that's actually quite an interesting site because his his vineyards are in a, the lee of a quite a big hill for Waiheke, and um, so he actually cops a little bit less rain than some people do on the island. And I mean, Waiheke's got a drier climate than Auckland, yes. uh, I believe, anyway. So yeah, yeah. sort and of got a nice little microclimate there. What what varietals were you working with there? Then. Uh, Bordeaux, like all the Bordeaux varietals. Okay. Um, yeah, so a um, bit different from what I'm doing now. Um, but uh, but when I went to, I'm trying to, I've lost my track of thought here now. So when I went, uh, worked for him, after that I, uh, I did apply to go to Lincoln. I went down to Lincoln and did my post-grad um, in viticulture and enology because I'd already, cause I already had a degree from Lincoln. I didn't have to do, um, I didn't want to do another degree, and I could sort of get in and out in ten months with a post grad. So right, okay. So what what degree did you already have under your belt from them? Ah, uh, yeah, the Parks Recreation Management oh, that's right, degree. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they had a lot of soil science papers and stuff like that in it, which has sort of been beneficial along the way. Yeah. Um. So I had a great time there. Did that and um, got out after ten months. But then I actually went and worked in um, South Australia. So 
um, at wins Kuna Wara. So um, mm. Cabernet blends again like Sarab, Cabernet, um, Chardonnay. But so um, so I've always had a bit of a bend for bigger. Aussie Reds, I guess, or, you know, initially it's sort of where I was really interested, but um, at the same time, New Zealand Pinot Noir was really starting to, um, well, from my mind, I think it was sort of starting to show that it was going to be something a bit special. So um, after working in Australia for eight months, I applied to uh, be assistant winemaker at a Oregon winery called Elk Cove. Um, and my, my wife's American, so we were sort of looking to head back to the States anyway. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. So um, luckily enough, uh, they had a vacancy at the time, and um, so I, they took me on. So Elk Cove is, um, I think it's the fifth oldest um, winery in Oregon, so one of the sort of original pioneers for the Oregon wow. wine industry. Okay. Okay, nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was quite cool. So um they got a really good site in the northern Willamette Valley, and uh, I think they're one of the sort of largest size producers in Oregon now. Like they've definitely grown over the over the years, and um, you know, really good family business. Re, you know, re, reinvested money back into the businesses I've gone and and grown it really successfully. But it was just it was good to work with um, vines there that were from different sites, and they they were quite single vineyard um, driven. So um, really good viticulture and um, climatically a bit different from here, a lot wetter. Um, and just really focused on what they were doing, but they had vine age as well. So so they planted in the early 70s. So when, when I was there, um, early 2000s, you know, they already had sort of 30 plus, 35 years of growing Pinot Noir and had quite a good track record, obviously. So, um, so it was just, nice just, to just as an aside, and I don't don't want you to um, sort of lose your train of thought, but just on that, can you can you sort of articulate what that means in a in a Pinot having that that uh, vine age? Yeah, um, vine age to me. I, I mean, I think it's what we're seeing in New Zealand now with um, Pinot Noir is this, you know, like um, getting rid of a lot of the sort of you know, baby fat or puppy fat off them like they're, um, we don't have to work them over in the winery to really um, show some really good qualities out of them. We used to sort of think, oh, we need to have them really dark and, you know, quite big styles of wine and we used to, um, you know, try to go looking for that a little bit. But now with the older wines that you see, um, you get that naturally so you don't have to. So, you you know, you're a lot better off leaving them in the winery as much as you can. And um, it's the same thing with wine, you know, winemakers, especially in Central Otago. A lot of us have been here for a while now. And, um, you know, we've sort of grown up with the vines and you sort of learn a lot about them off one individual site. So you can see that they're changing and they're getting a lot more concentration. Mm-hmm. And, as, and as you get a bit more experience and a bit more comfortable with the site, you, you know, you're more prepared not to try and make it something. I mean, you let it show what it is, right? And that's that's the big difference, you know yeah. what I mean? In the early days, of sort of pioneering it, you're just trying to make them into something. Um, okay. But as they as they get that age, they don't have to have that anymore. And they probably didn't really initially either. But I think sort of you know the human intervention sort of kicks in naturally. You want to you want to have them be something. You that's know? right. Well, yeah, you're trying to get them to something. Um, yeah. Whereas right. you're, you're saying you know as the as the vines get older and they and they have that. Those characteristics yeah. about that you're okay going. Oh, okay, this is this is this is good, <laughs> in, in and yeah, yeah. you know in its own right. 
Yeah, that's right. And I think, um, you know, it's what people are wanting to see too. I think, mm. you know, the whole, you know, like, like people drinking in moderation and stuff, it's better to drink a really high-end wine than quaff lots of, you know, cheap and cheerful sort of wine. So having some wines that are really have character and show sight rather than winemaking is, is a big part of that story sort of now but also moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so okay. that's what that's what interests me about Pinot and and wine really. Okay, okay, no, that, that's good. Thank you. And well, so just uh, sorry, just jumping back to to, to Oregon. So how, how long were you there for? What was how long was your stint? Yeah, I did um, I did three vintages three vintages there, and it's my sort of fourth year before I came home. So mm. when I was in Oregon, I um, uh, did vintage at Peregrine in two thousand and three with Michelle Richardson from Ex Villa Maria. So. I, that was their first vintage, so I came back um, from Oregon just for vintage. And when I was in Central, you know, really, that was the first time I worked, I worked in Central, but really liked it. And, uh, you know, obviously told Michelle that, you know, I'd be keen to head back this way if a position sort of came up, if she heard of anything. So we've, we've become very good friends. And um, I was fortunate enough that she did, um, did find, a, you know, did know of a position a couple of years later, so she got hold of me. And um, in 2005, I came back to be the winemaker at um, Olsen's Wines mm-hmm. on, on Felton Road. So um, so that was really good. They've got um, some of the oldest. And so that vineyard's now been sold. It's um, Terra Sancta now. Yeah. Um, so I did 2005 um, until 2008 there and, and really enjoyed it. Like, um and had a lot of success. So, well, I, was, I, you know, I personally really like what, what comes out of that that area um yeah and, and it, i think it is a little um sort of distinct um, appellation if you like what, what, do you does that that sort of resonate do, agree do you agree with that and and if so have you got any ideas of what what it is about that particular little spot that gives it that distinction or that yeah difference? I, um, I mean for me i think like it's, it's interesting so i've sort of done i mean most of my career in central has really been bannockburn based um, so, I mean, the big, but they're quite different. Those different areas in Bannerburn. So, the Felton Road end um, and the Olsen site. Um, you know, I can talk about it obviously because I've worked there, but um, there's a lot more clay, like a lot more clay there, and um, so the wines are denser, darker, a bit more brooding in flavour, but they have really, really good concentration. And um, and that vine age thing, you know, like they're, they're 20 years plus of age now so they've really got some good natural concentration and uh and good heat but without being excessively hot so it's got a nice balance but mm. it's really i think that clay just gives it the density and that's right. it's the same with or- oregon wines so oregon is a lot of clay and um you know really have a depth of flavor to those wines whereas you know lighter sandier soils um can be quite pretty but they tend not to have the punch of of a wine, say out of Bannockburn, especially the Felton Road end, which is just a bit more deep and brooding. Right. Uh, yeah. 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 So and so five was. I mean, two thousand five was a challenging vintage. That was the first one I'd obviously done in my own right, and uh, I mean, it was one of those vintages here where we had extremely low, low uh, yields, and um, you know, a ridiculously small crop, and it was quite cool as well so it was a bit of a it was a bit of a perfect storm really but i think those are some of the best grapes we've ever tasted like they just had amazing concentration because the berry size was so small and um yeah just some stunning wines if you ever see 2005 i'd be uh 
counseling on them. Right, so, okay. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> note, that, note that away. Yes, good. Yeah. So I did um, did three years there, and then, um, yeah, Olsons was sort of looking to change as well. I mean, they were looking to move out of wine. So at that stage, I did start uh, looking further afield to what my wine next step would be as a winemaker. And then um, the winemaking position came up at Akarua Wines. So um, I was approached to go over there, um, which yep. I did. And so we're talking, um, talking more around towards Queenstown, yeah? Uh, around uh, around um, towards um, well, sort of it's near Carrick, so around the other side of of Bannockburn. So it's in the um, inlet there, just oh, over. Oh, okay. The yep. Yeah. Yep. So um, so the thing that drew me there really was uh, a lot larger sites. So they had fifty hectares planted, and um, their own winery on site was the Olsons Winery was in the middle of Cromwell when I was making the wines. So. Um, so it was nice to have a winery on the vineyard and sort of feel a bit more connected with the site, but um, also just a lot larger scale of operations. So you had a lot more um, fruit to choose from, and or not choose from, but you know what I mean, like to deal with, and uh, just a lot more options in the winery. So we um, always, you know, started quite a big reinvestment in the winery at that stage. Um, you know, Arkaroo had had a really good track record when Carol Bunn was the winemaker there. It, uh, I think it was the first Central Otago winery to win the Air New Zealand Wine Awards in 2003, I think. Um, so it, it, it was obvious that it had some pretty good fruit, but it sort of disappeared a bit. It had become a bit of a ghost. And the reason for that, in my mind, was um, you know, the wines got a bit hard for a while, and it was because there wasn't enough uh, capacity in the winery to take all the fruit that was coming off that vineyard. So um, you know, they were either having to pick it uh, a bit late or a bit early. Um, so when I started, well, that's what I thought. So when I started, we uh, made quite a big investment in a new uh, infrastructure in the winery and got enough tank capacity to take the whole crop pretty much in one, in one day if we ever had to, not that we could get it all on one day. But it just meant that um, when wine came into the winery, it was getting the time it needed in tank um, to sort of show its true qualities rather than be sort of forced out the other end to make room for some more grapes. So it's just a lot better way of doing things. Um, and, you know, straight away off the back of that change, we saw some pretty good results. I mean, Arkarua started um, picking up some pretty good awards uh, from that first finish that I was there. I so 09 won the Royal Easter Show champion Pinot. And then, um, then we went on, you know, from there. So I had eight years there as winemaker and um general manager as well and then end of well sort of towards the end of 2015 started looking at what new challenges again you know would be for me so um so i left in the end of 2015 and started my own project so uh, matt connell wine so that's where i'm at at the moment yeah right okay okay and so um so whereabouts are you sort of located now and yep yep yeah um so initially so when i when i left I mean, it was a trick of trying to find a uh, find a winery in Cromwell. <laughs> um, so I was very fortunate. Some um, good friends of mine. So when I was at Olsons, I did contract winemaking as well. What for Olsons? But I made a variety of brands wines, um, and one of those was Orem wines. So 2005, I made um, the Orem wines. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Um, 
and they had good friends, so they had spare capacity at the winery. So I jumped in there for the 2016 vintage. So I made my own Pinot Noir there, and then also uh, began my own project with um, you know doing contract winemaking. So um, so I did uh, Mondello wines. Yep. Um, and then the end of 16, it was pretty evident to me that I needed to make more than um, what I was doing. Um, so the opportunity came up for me to lease a winery in Alexandra. So I, that's where I'm based now. So a friend of mine from uh, when I was studying winemaking, um, Howie Hinton, had a winery in Alex. And uh, they're really large fruit growers of um, cherries and different stone fruit. Um, and one of the oldest ones in Central. So they have quite a big um, packing shed facility and had a winery on one end of it, um, which is where how he'd be making their wine. But he's got so tied up in cherries and other projects that he hasn't got time to be making wine anymore. Yeah. So part of part of the deal is that I, uh, I've taken over the making of their wine and then I'm also using that facility to do contract wine making for um, five other companies and, and me as well. Right. So, <laughs> so yeah, so it sort of helps pay the bills and uh, gives me an opportunity to sort of grow my own own wines, my own project, which is uh, yeah, which has been exciting. Yeah. So, and just on that, the so, so that's under under your name, isn't it? Under the yeah. Connell yeah, Connell yeah. brand. And so, yeah. where do you where yeah. do you source from for those? Are you yeah, using I, the? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was one reason I went out and did it really was to try and um, work with growers that I sort of admired from afar and potentially hadn't made their wine before or mm. dealt with their fruit. So um, so I get fruit out of Bendigo and uh, then I also get fruit out of Lowburn. And uh, so I get Pinot from both sites and then I get Chardonnay from Lowburn as well. Um, so it's been you know, it's been really good. I, I mean, I, and I want to grow that. I mean, I sort of, to, to be honest, I sort of try and follow a bit of a model like the Varley model where I want to concentrate on single vineyard um, sites and um, that's sort of the interesting part of it for me. So I do two wines at the moment, or I do three, so I do two Pinots and one Chardonnay. So um, one of the Pinots is a Bendigo single vineyard um, and the next one's called Rendition which is a my rendition of the central, you know, sort of typical central Targo Pinot Noir and um, it's a blend of sites, so Bendigo and Lowburn at this stage, but it could be others as well as I move forward and, and get involved in more single vineyard wines. So ideally, you know, I want to do a, a, a Bannerburn and a Alex and a Lowburn Pinot and um, maybe Gibson Valley, So and, and possibly even further afield, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't want a made-up made name of any sort, or so I just wanted Matt Connell Wines because that's who I am and that's what it's about. So Yeah, nice. Nice. Well, and just just on that sort of looking further afield, is there is there anywhere that's piquing your interest as a as a as an area right now? Is what, what's coming out uh, of there outside of? Look, I think I think there's with Pinot Noir in New Zealand, there's a lot of different areas that are doing well. I think, I mean, Marlborough has um, you know really got us act together, and I mean, some been some good wines coming out of there for a number of years, but. Um, I think there's some really good Pinots out of Marlborough now, so I think there's some good fruit there to be had, potentially. Um, Waitaki, obviously, in a good year, like in a, in a slightly warmer year for me, because, I mean, I think the problem with winemaking, especially when you're doing it by yourself and you've got your own money tied up in it, I mean, you need to get fruit consistently um, and also from, hopefully, sites that are providing a consistency in terms of ripeness, so you're not sort of 
providing too much of a roller coaster in terms of quality to people that are actually buying the wines or else they just don't um you know i don't think they support them if one year it's good next year it's bad and one year it's good and next year it's sort of up and down if you know what i mean mm. Mm. um so that's where areas like the waitaki to me i think are a little bit they're still a bit marginal uh, even though the wines from there are fantastic and um and they're different i mean definitely more sort of mineral based and um yeah, uh, yeah just, just just more a challenge to get that year on year consistency. Yeah, yeah, and that's right, and that's that's sort of where it's at for me until I get to a stage where I can start taking a few more risks with sites. At the moment, I'm going for ones that I know um, interest me because they've definitely got uh, the fruit quality that I'm looking for, mm. um, and um, you know that consistency really. I mean, and that's I mean that's the difference with my wines over other people's is uh, I mean a lot of the wines that you'd see from me in the past with uh, rural wines they're sort of bigger juicier wines and, and i like that style so I, I stay clear of whole bunch and stuff like that to a degree like i like it um i think it adds a bit of complexity when it's really ripe but i also see it as a bit of a uh well it can be quite a heavy winemaker influence like adding a whole lot of new oaks if you add too much whole bunch that's what the character of the wine becomes so you know to me i think it masks a lot of the site um characteristics whereas if you, you do wild ferments a lot and it's it is the fruit character you're getting with a bit of texture um to me that's a bit of a truer representation but that's where we all differ i guess everyone's got their viewpoints on a whole bunch versus not yeah and um, whatnot but i tend to make sort of juicier fruitier style of wines but that's to me that's yeah what i enjoy drinking and um have had a lot of success with but also i think that is showing the true um site characteristics too yeah right. okay and, and how about chardonnay what um yeah chardonnay is a really interesting one i think um you know you listen to a lot of winemakers lately like chardonnay is definitely on the up again and mm. it's a tricky it's, a tr- it's been a tricky one for new zealand winemakers because i think it's been so market driven like at times um you know it's been flavor of the month and then it's not so everyone rips it out and plants something else and then it comes back and there's none to find you know yeah. so yeah. <laughs> that's the challenge um which is you know it's a bit frustrating because i think in central i mean the pinot noir is doing so well here and um obviously chardonnay should be as well um and is you know like good examples of chardonnay from central uh, stunning wines um you know, and they have been since day one. Really, just don't have enough of them. No. So, I, so I like, uh, you know, like the wines from here that aren't particularly forced when it comes to Chardonnay. So my Chardonnay is, um, you know, it's barrel fully barrel fermented and um, wild fermented, but it's um, it's only ten percent new oak. So I'm not looking for a really big oak impact in that wine. I want it to really show show the fruit character of the site and the natural acidity we have here mm. so it's more like a chablis type style and that's i think that's when you're listening to what other winemakers are saying i think that's where people are starting to head more in areas like central that do have higher acid is that's a style we're sort of looking to do yeah because um, it's such it's a wine that can have a lot of bar- you know a lot of uh, impact from winemaking so you know you right. can really beat it up beat it up and create it they'll turn it into something but once again i don't think that's really the game i want to play i want to really show um the characteristics of the site and the fruit you know so elegance and something that's not going to dominate food like it has to go along with food and, and um support food but not dominate food so that's sort of the style of wines that i 
I'm really looking to make or have made, I hope. Yeah. 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 So only, it's only a, a limited amount of time in oak? Uh, it's 10 months in oak. So mm-hmm. it um, comes out the same time as my pinots do. So it's mm-hmm. um, normally bottled in February. Um, yeah, no stirring like I will, or very limited stirring in barrel. So once again, I don't, I'm not really trying to um, – you know, make it fatter as such. Yeah. If it's, you know, like texture I get from time on lees and, um, and wild fermentation. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with the way, it, you know, it's balanced at the end of that time and, and how it comes, yeah. Mm. And then, I mean, the other the other wines that I want to try and do, which I haven't started making yet, but um, you know, I really want to get back into sparkling wine. So oh, okay. A, mm. Yeah. So, so I, um, you know, made sparkling wine Akarua. Um, which did well, but I, you know, I really enjoy that winemaking. It's um, quite a complex process, and it's sort of a, you know, a big departure from Pinot Noir. Like it's, um, you know, you're looking for when you go to pick grapes, you're looking for them to be fairly neutral in flavour, not 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 have flavour really. So it's sort of a it's a bit of a weird mindset as a winemaker. Right. It, it, <laughs> yeah. What what varietal would you be looking at for oh, this? I wanna, yeah, I want oh, Pinot and Chardonnay. Pinot and Chardonnay. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think there's any Pinot Meunier um, down here uh, that I know of. Mm. Um, but you know, I've got good association with Daniel LeBron, and uh, we, you know, we've done a lot of work with him over the years. Um, so I'd be looking for some people like that to finish it for me because we don't have the ability to do tirage in Central, so um, the wine goes up there to be finished. Right. So you deal with them. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, Dan, you so say you'd take your your um, Tourage and stuff up there and get it finished, but um, oh, dosage, sorry. Um, but um, you know, they are really, really good at finishing sparkling wine at uh, number one estate in Marlborough. Mm. And um, you know, like I think Central has great natural acidity and has the you know, has the varietals that you need to make great sparkling wine, so so why not? And um, I mean, Rudy, of course, Reef's proved that, Arcaro's proved that. Um, you know, there's a couple of wineries down here now that are making it, so yeah. I think it's a nice, it's a nice wine to have, like a celebration of life, and, and that's really what winemaking should be about. Um, so it was definitely one I'd like to get back into and sort of have in my range of wines. Oh, nice! That's exciting. Yeah, yeah, very, yeah, very yeah. good. And and you're also um, doing some contract winemaking for others in the region. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have um, six clients at the moment, um, six smaller clients. But, um, yeah, I like to build on that. So that's sort of an ongoing thing. Like every year, you know, I've had one or two others sort of come out of the woodwork. But it's one of those situations that sort of has to build like that. It's not um, yeah, it's not a situation where I want to particularly go and poach someone else's client from another contract winery, if you know what I mean. No, sure. Yeah. 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 Um, so, And it's, I suppose no. it's about finding that match, is it, between – you know your your journey and your style and your philosophy and thinking and where they're wanting to go as well. Oh yeah, definitely. And then mm. I mean that's the, that's the fun thing about contract winemaking. Like I enjoyed it when I was at Olsen's, but you know a lot of people that uh, maybe don't know a lot about wine have bought vineyards and set them up, and um, you know, helping those people on their journey as well and trying to you know really get the best out of their site for them and teach them a lot about the process is something I really enjoy. Like I, I really like dealing with people like that. Right. Uh, it sort of keeps things fresh. You know, like they've got something to learn. I've got something to learn about their site. And then, you know, when you can see that you're really helping them get somewhere where they wanted to go. Right. Uh, 
that's pretty rewarding. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I've, I've really enjoyed that, and it's um, yeah, definitely something I want to build on. Um, and once again, I mean, financially it obviously helps pay the bills, but it's just that challenge, you know, it keeps helps keeps things interesting. Yeah, um, which is, is what it's about really. Would you say there's generally that um, collegial um, working together in the in the wine industry uh, in New Zealand? Like, you know, particularly oh, yeah, in a region? Or? Yeah, I, mean, I think uh, New Zealand's fortunate, probably because we're not particularly large. So, I mean, most winemakers in New Zealand that have been around for any length of time would know a range of winemakers from another region. And, uh, I mean, you know, I have people ringing me up during vintage here that, um, you, know, it's, you know, looking to buy fruit out of Central or whatever and maybe looking for a bit of advice or or whatever. And, you, you know, you, you help them out and you, and you give them um, – the best you know sort of information you can because you know we end up doing a good job with it and that's going to benefit central otago as well yeah yeah but um but then if i have a problem like if i deal with fruit that might have um i don't know a bit more disease pressure than i've seen or whatever and i'll ring someone in a different part of the country that might have experienced that before and have a bit more uh you know information to throw back at me as well so it's sort of a continuous thing Mm -hmm. and um Something that I think is pretty special for Central. Like when I was in the States, or well, in New Zealand, when I was in the States, um, you know, people were friendly, and but I don't know, it just didn't seem to be quite the same uh, sharing of information that happens within New Zealand wine. So, um, so yeah, may it continue, really. I think it's um, something that we should all be proud of that we're, you know, I think we're all sort of pioneering in one way or the other and, and got lots to learn and we're, we're open to learning and open to uh given the best help we can to other people so you know it's been good yeah yeah i think that's sort of reflective of the the stage of, of maturity of the industry isn't it that it is it is yep. still growing um it's yep. probably generally considered that there's there's room for everyone um yeah and uh you know there's a big market still to still to grow and and have a piece of internationally uh, yeah and, that- and i think like there's a lot there's a lot of smaller companies here too so mm-hmm. like in new zealand one but definitely in central and so now, we've only got so many dollars to spend on marketing and stuff, so if we're overseas, we sort of try and tell the story about a region or um, a sub-region or whatever, but, you know, we talk about everybody's wines and then you'll get on to your own wines, and that's always the way I've seen it done. I've never seen people really go overseas and just stick purely to talking about their own thing. They're always proud of the region and the other wines out of the region, mm. Um, mm. you know, and it's been really nice like to hear people at a, you know, at a winemaking uh, conference or something, you know, like at a or a trade show, and then you know, there might be three tables down, but they'll be steering people in your direction and vice versa or whatever, you know. Oh, have you tried this wine? Well, it's uh, you know, it's something pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No good. And and so yeah. you've, you've touched a little bit about on sort of what you're doing and and sparkling and heading into that. Is there anything uh, elsewhere around New Zealand that you've you've seen? Uh, of late or even internationally something that you've tried but that uh, piqued your interest and you thought oh that's um you know something that you'd uh thought well, was, want to have a crack at <laughs> well or, or or you just really enjoyed um that you know there's yeah. something new oh look i um yeah i don't know i mean i, I really like 
um, what's happening with Sarara in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Like there's, I mean, those, um, you know, because I have got, like I said at the start, like I definitely have got a big you know, bend for big reds. And, um, but New Zealand Sarara isn't like that. It's just, it's finer and it's it's got some delicacy and it's just, I think that's really found the groove. So I hope, uh, you know, I hope that it's selling well for producers that are making it. So that's something I'm, I'm definitely interested in possibly down the track. Yeah. But, um, and that's, um, yeah, that's something, you know, one reason where I was, you know, called my own brand, Matt Connell Wines, because I don't, I don't want it to be pegged into one geographical location necessarily, you know. So, um, you now it's like Oregon Pinot, I've thought long and hard about trying to make an Oregon Pinot uh, under my own name as well. Because <laughs> um, right, I still yeah. have good, good, good contacts there. Yes. Um, and, that, and that really, I think I really enjoyed making it. Uh, when I was there, so you know, we don't see a lot of it in New Zealand. Um, there are some examples, but you know, sort of few and far between. And they are good examples, the ones that you can get here. Um, but yeah, I'd like to take my, you know, put my bend on that maybe. So mm. there's a few few things in my mind drifting around, but at the moment, because I'm sort of in the um, infancy really for my own wines, it's, it's trying to get them out there a bit and um, you know get people interested in them. Yeah. So. The Central Targa wine's sort of really my focus at the moment. But there's always, uh, I mean, it's like Burgundy. I was lucky enough, I was the chair of the Pinot celebration here in 2011. And um, I had a gentleman called Sylvain Petio came over and talked to us about um, how he, ma- you know, he did. He drew those sort of maps of Burgundy, like the ones you'll see in wine shops and stuff, the really big ones. He was a cartographer before he became a winemaker. Uh-huh. Um, so he was the wine maker or wine director, I think they call it, um, Claude Attar in Burgundy. So he's retired now. But um, now I'd like to go and uh, you know visit them again. I'm really interested in, in Burgundy and, and what they're up to. I mean, they've got a lot of challenges in terms of um, you know, global warming and things as well. So some of that sort of always perks my interest to see what they're up to. And like with the exchange program that Central Otago has with Burgundy every year, we do an exchange where um, three or four younger winemakers come to Central and then vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, now, those people are taking a lot of sort of new world things back to Burgundy and um, and changing their wineries a bit as they go. So that always interests me and vice versa, like some of what they're up to, um, you know, the techniques they use in Burgundy versus here interests me quite a bit. And I really enjoyed being in Burgundy and, and having a look at um, the way they make their wines. And uh, I like to do a lot more of that. Like I, I haven't, because of, you know, being a winemaker at various stages, like in Oregon, I couldn't go because that was the same time as the Burgundy vintage. And down here and there, I've got my own business. It's difficult for me to find a time to go and do a vintage in Burgundy, you know. Mm. So it's a bit, mm. it's a bit of a catch twenty-two, unfortunately. But yeah. I'd love to have a bit more, um, bit more association with that and um, learn a little bit more that way. Right. Yeah. 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 Very good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Well, um, we finish on the question: uh, If you could have uh, any glass of wine with uh, anyone, uh, either. Yeah. Um, Living or dead, or maybe even hasn't come along yet. Uh, yeah. Who who would that be, and and what wine would it be in it? Um, we were just chatting before we um, before we started the uh, the podcast that you found that uh, a little bit <laughs> challenge yeah, of challenge. Of, of who oh. um, uh, there were, there were many yeah. and who who would be yeah the one. yeah 
Definitely many. Um, there's, it was a lot. There's, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. I mean, I'd sort of get away from wine initially and sort of say someone who'd really piqued my interest would be uh, like Ernest Shackleton or someone like a real right. explorer, adventurer. Yes. And um, you now that's sort of important to me. Like discovery is a big part of sort of what I'm about. So, so I'd like to have a glass of wine with him. Would be good, right? Um, okay. Well, and having been to Antarctica too, I suppose, because you know, yeah, yeah, or whiskey, because I, I think they found it with one some of his whiskey stored away in a hut down there a few years ago, didn't they? Yeah, I'm they sure they would have had a bit of that. Needed a bit of that. Yeah, yeah. On a cold winter's day in Central, but um, I mean, the other one that I, I think I would would do would be, um, you know, to sound a bit strange, but just um, generally friends and family and um, people that you know that I care a lot about. I mean, it's always an important thing to me. That's what you know, why I'm a winemaker is, you know, to me, wine is sort of life and it's about occasion and friends and family. So that would be big. So um, for me, grandkids too, like, you know, future grandkids and to sort of, uh, you know, help celebrate the journey that's been Matt Connell wines. And um, yeah, that would be, that would be pretty cool. That would be pretty special. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So just, um, so with uh, future grandkids and and, um, one of your, uh, maybe sort of current vintages and see how that's yeah uh, yeah see how that's yeah, shaped up yeah very yeah, nice. I'll have, uh, like yeah for my kids like um, I always try and put away some bigger format bottles so I'm uh, in the last few years I've done I've done a few of those with that in mind so I'm going to keep keep that family tradition going yeah perfect perfect yeah. excellent yeah uh, yeah would it, that's a um, a great note to finish on so thanks Matt I appreciate your um, time and thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, hopefully it's no, it's not too bumbling along, but we'll be right. <laughs> no, 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 it'd be, it's perfect. And um, yeah, hope the um, day turns out well for you. And yeah, we're looking forward to um, everything that you're working on. And um, certainly, we'll we'll keep an eye out over the next uh, couple of years and see if a sparkling pops out somewhere along the way. Oh, that'd be awesome! Hey, yeah. thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Hey, cheers, Matt. Yeah, cheers. Bye for Bye. now. We've been speaking with Matt Connell about his winemaking in the central Otago of New Zealand. If you'd like to find out more about Matt, you can go to Matt Connell Wines. It's M-A-T-T-C-O-N-N-E-L-L-Wines.com. And we'd love to see you on Instagram, so have a look for us under NZ Wine Podcast. Be sure to check out some of the other great New Zealand wine podcasts and also have a look at podcast.nz uh, we can find some other topics that may be of uh, interest to you thanks for listening in hey corner mai bye for now <laughs>